0: My name is Dr. Nate Shannock. And I'm
1: Merrick Egber.
0: This is the
1: official podcast of the Else for Autism Foundation for autism.
0: We call our podcast this because it's a play on our foundation's name and Merrick and I are both terrible golfers.
1: But we love how golf has become such a transformative tool to helping people with autism.
0: When I'm not a part of the podcast, I'm a member of the growing research team and a tennis coach.
1: And when I'm not part of the podcast, I'm an administrative assistant filling in the gaps of each department like Lou. I also have autism spectrum disorder. This is our 19th episode of the podcast, celebrating National Disability Employment Awareness Month, or NDEAM, with Tom Kegg from our partnership with Next Level Distribution. What we hope to do is to present news and updates about our foundation, interviews, or feature stories that play a big role with us and with the community as a whole. Speaking of which, we also have our Today in the World of Autism segment, where we posit the news and current events reflective of the world we live in today. Also, check our show notes for websites, resources, and other groovy things we would like to have on the written record for all of you for autism fans. So here are some news and updates about the foundation. The first item is episode 18. Tune into our last episode, episode 18, where we talked to Cindy Langenfeld, our newest board member, about our experience with our foundation, especially with her daughter, Jennifer, a student of our high school, the Learning Academy, TLA, and a regular of our different programs we have. What you will hear during this last episode is about how important our infrastructure is to the autism community and how we make a difference one family at a time. Make sure to tune in through our podcast page, Spotify, iTunes, wherever else you can go. So on Friday, October 8th, we had another Friday night game night with Howard Thomas, our employment coordinator, and I. Starting at 7 p.m. and lasting until 8.30 p.m., we got together a group of adults to play two different games, one hosted by Howard and one by me, with us. Make sure to contact Howard Thomas for more details. On Friday, October 15th with Credit to the Rec coordinator, Kelly Coots, we will be having a new Friday night fun night with the families and young adults we serve. It will be held on our campus. We'll start at 6 p.m. We'll include games in the movie Scoob. It should be great. Starting on October 18th for Monday, we will roll out our new sessions of our fall programs. Programs like our scientifically proven uh, game on golf program, tennis, art and music therapy will be a few examples of our programs that will see a continuation starting on that week. Make sure to check our website and our events calendar for more details or contact Kelly Coots, our rec coordinator, at the information that I will deliver on the show notes. We would like to ask for new volunteers for our fall programs and other parts of our infrastructure that serve as great ways to help us in doing our jobs. Volunteers will be expected for tennis, golf, art, music therapy, development, reception, and other positions. A link to the page on our website for volunteer services will be included. Please apply if you are interested. Because it is National Disability Employment Month, it was decided for me to write an article about my work experience at the Els for Autism Foundation. Should be really interesting. For our last month of 2021 Golf Challenge events, we are going to some familiar places. On Monday, October 4th, we went to the Woodlands Country Club in the Woodlands, Texas, which is a short drive to Houston, one of Texas's big cities. And on Tuesday, October 12th, we will be at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina at the Duke University Golf Club. Duke University is one of the premier universities in the southeast, and they have the Duke Center for Autism and Brain Development, a major resource for the autism community. Please be sure to contact Paige Thomas, our events manager and Golf Challenge Superstar for more details, which we will have in our show notes. All right, so today's special guest with us is Tom Kegg, who is the warehouse manager for the Jupiter location of Next Level Distribution. Next Level Distribution is a distributor of consumer electronics, as well as car audio components. Mr. Keg has been with the company for five years and in this position for, for three. In 2017, they started a program with the Els Foundation to help people with autism gain work experience and learn job skills. Through this program, they try to find the best fit for them with the positions we have available. Its main goal is to help both the individuals in the company succeed. The program has been so successful that they are expanding it to other locations in the company. Thank you for being on my show tonight, Tom.
0: Thanks for having me. Tom, thanks again for joining us. I'm gonna start off the questions here. So first of all, how many next level distribution centers are there in the US? And do you know if any of the other locations are also partnering with autism organizations? We have uh, four locations, uh, one here in Jupiter, one in Atlanta,
2: one in Chicago, and one in Dallas. Those are our main ones. Um, the Atlanta location has just started uh, dealing with uh, people with autism. They, they had a guy start this week, and that, that's, that's the first one outside of Jupiter that we've done. But I know the other locations, it, it is in the works to
0: bring more people with autism in there to work. Yeah, that's terrific. We were wondering if it was something we could give full credit to the Jupiter organization or uh, sorry, the Jupiter location or the entire organization, but that sounds like a, a great initiative. So having gained some experience interacting with individuals with autism in the work setting what are some of the strengths that you have observed in these workers? Uh, their attention to detail.
2: Uh, their ability to, you know, stay on task, not get distracted by, you know, other people around them. They, they're more concerned with just uh, getting the job done that we need them to do, and they don't concern themselves with, Whatever else is going on around them, that you know they don't get caught up in talking to everybody else, or uh, there's less distraction. They're less distracted.
0: Yeah, I imagine that with those traits, they become a, a valuable asset for the team.
2: Yeah, and it's important. Yeah, the attention to detail is very important with what we do to make sure that everything's going to the customer's right and the orders are picked right and everything's packed up, that it's going to get to our customers
0: uh, in good condition. Absolutely. So speaking of the team dynamic, have you noticed that any of your neurotypical staff members have been positively impacted by the partnership with the L's Work Experience Program?
2: Yeah, I, they definitely bring a different energy, um, you know, they, they brighten the mood some days, um, you know, they, they try and make your day better, um, so yeah, I, I would think they have impacted some regular people.
0: Got it, got it, well, thank you, I'm going to hand it over to Merrick for a couple questions here, yeah. Okay.
1: So, uh, Tom, uh, can you tell our audience how Next Level Distribution was introduced to our work experience program? The, the owner of the company saw a story on the news
2: about um, Rising Tide Car Wash. It's, in, it's here in South Florida, um, and they hire people on the autism spectrum. And he, he wanted to bring that concept here to Next Level Distribution. So that's when he reached out to the ELS Foundation, and that's kind of how we got this whole partnership started.
1: Okay, and uh, the next question that I have for you is what has been most rewarding about working with our clients who have autism?
2: Just the, the positive attitude and the energy they bring. Um, you know, they, we recently hired one kid uh, as a, as a part time employee. And he was going around and he was very proud that day that he was now an employee at Next Level Distribution. So it it makes you feel good that, you know, somebody enjoys working here.
1: What will you tell other businesses who are interested in employing individuals with autism at their organization?
2: Just to give them a chance. Um, And if you, you know, if you train them like a, like you would another regular employee, you know, you'd be surprised how good of a, a worker that they could be. Um, you know, they, they do add benefit to your company. Yeah, they, they can be a, a, a really good employee.
1: Well, thank you, uh, Tom Kegg for uh, your great answers to these questions. And I really appreciate the work that you've done with us. And my co-host appreciates it too, so yes, I uh, really, really do. Uh, well, when this uh, podcast episode gets uploaded, you will be the first to know about it, and okay. um, I'm sure that everyone who will listen to it will come away from it with a with a definite feeling like you know. The world of autism and employment just couldn't be any better than it is right now. Uh, thanks to individuals like you.
2: Uh, well, thank you.
1: So really thanks for being on here with us.
0: Really appreciate right, it. No problem. Yes, sir. Glad to help.
1: As always, today in the world of autism, As we start with my co-host, Dr. Nate Chinnock and his fantastic research-oriented stories.
0: Okay, we've certainly got some good ones for you today. The first one is celebrating the life of Ruth Sullivan. Ruth Sullivan was a reputable public health nurse, but she was also much more than that. When her son was diagnosed with autism in the early 1960s, she became one of the most influential advocates for autistic children. Her accomplishments include founding the Autism Society, which is a national grassroots organization providing valuable resources to families and securing and also securing funding to open the West Virginia Autism Training Center at Marshall University. The latter provides early intervention programs for children and job coaching classes for adults amongst other fantastic services. She also ran the Autism Services Center and for several years offered information and referrals by telephone from her home in Huntington, West Virginia. When her son Joseph received his diagnosis in 1963 at the age of three, autism was still a mysterious disorder that most pediatricians knew little about. The pediatrician at the time informed Dr. Sullivan that her son would be odd, but could offer little more information than that. She was also a strong opponent of the refrigerator mother theory, which at the time explained that autism may be due to cold and inattentive mothers. Dr. Sullivan lobbied for the passage of the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act in 1975, which required public schools that receive federal money to provide equal access to children with disabilities. If you thought this was all cool enough, she also served as a technical advisor for the film Rain Man. Dustin Hoffman, fun fact, even thanked Dr. Sullivan and her son Joseph on stage when he accepted the Oscar for Best Actor that year. Ruth Sullivan passed away at the age of 97 on September 16th. What an amazing life she was able to live and we celebrate all of her contributions towards heightening autism rights and awareness, as well as debunking some myths about autism that are just not accurate. Merrick, how familiar were you with Ruth Sullivan's accomplishments, and is there anything you would like to add? I remember reading about
1: her in the book In A Different Key, The Story of Autism, before I interviewed John Donvan and Karen Zucker this year You can actually look it up. I think it was episode 17 when I interviewed them. If uh, I'm wrong, I will put, whether it is that I'm right or wrong, I will put it on the show notes for people as a quick resource to find out what episode it was that I interviewed them on. Dr. Ruth Sullivan has been a major figure in the discussion of what autism is and of where it can take the people who are diagnosed with it. I think that she probably felt happy near the end of her life as the term autism has gotten such wide recognition over the last number of years and has seen more and more shining lights discussing their diagnoses.
0: A very good point you make that I don't have her comments, her recent comments in front of me, but I'm sure that she was very pleased with the progress that was made throughout her life. Yeah, I definitely agree. So another story I have is on an exciting study that was recently published in the Journal of the American Medical Association Pediatrics, or JAMA. This study found that therapeutic interventions with parents of infants showing risk factors for autism significantly reduces the probability of an ASD diagnosis by age three. The study was a randomized clinical trial of 104 infants that were screened for early markers of autism spectrum disorder. These measures used to assess risk included the infant's reduced use of eye contact, reduced ability to follow a parent's gaze, reduced reciprocal social smile, reduced response to social talk from a parent, and atypical movements like hand flapping. 50 infants received a preliminary intervention called eye basis VIPP, in addition to their standard care of treatment. This therapy promotes valuable social communication skills through parent training. 53 of the infants received standard care only. That was the control group. The groups were matched on parental education and household income to reduce the possibility of confounding variables. In total, 89 participants were reassessed at age 3. The assessment notably found that while only three of 45 of the treated children were ultimately given a diagnosis of ASD, nine of the 44 of the untreated children were given an ASD diagnosis. Therefore, children whose parents did not receive therapy were approximately three times more likely to receive a diagnosis when checked at age three. Some details about the intervention. It involved 10 sessions that were all administered in the homes of the mother-child dyad by trained therapists over a five month span. The foundation of this therapy was to facilitate more communication between the parent and the child. I was looking over some more details regarding the method of this treatment and the study in general And the program sounds very similar to the Spring into Action initiative that was launched by the Els for Autism Foundation in partnership with the Seaver Autism Center. We are currently writing a manuscript relating to the results of that study. Parent training is a core mission of our foundation. And I've also linked our recently published research article on the Ruby Parent Training Program that we offer. This program aims to provide parents with tools to help their child work through maladaptive behaviors. Merrick, why is parent training such an important therapeutic tool at the ELS Center and beyond?
1: Many parents may not expect their kids to be different, and so they may be caught off guard when their child ends up exhibiting differing behaviors than what they would expect. Just because the child may not develop in the expected way doesn't mean that the parents cannot help in the process of development through understanding and seeking therapeutic treatments. Any child is significantly impacted by what the parents do to them, especially at an early stage, that may have impacts and repercussions in the future.
0: Yeah, that's very well said. Also, I think um, one of the elements that we've seen is because uh, you're providing parents with these abilities, they spend, like you were alluding to, they spend more time with the child than anybody. And in a sense, it's provide, providing parents with therapeutic tools that are sustainable, uh, that they'll be able to provide frequently to their child and over a long-term time span.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. All right, so my first story is about a story that came about uh, months ago. And I've titled it Ryan Lowry's Written Interest in Employment. I just figured that this episode would be a great one to spotlight the viral story of Ryan Lowry, a young man with autism that got a lot of attention earlier in the year. In February of this year, while working at a coffee shop and learning workplace readiness and independent living skills through a program called Community and Schools Together, Mr. Lowry was approached by his father, Rob, to set up a LinkedIn account in order to focus his mind on the greater potential of networking and creating professional connections through there. While his father thought that he would just communicate on there through typical means, Ryan had something else in mind. On the 27th of that month, Mr. Lowry wrote a cover letter, which he then took a photo of and shared it on his new LinkedIn account. In the letter, he expressed his strengths, his location, Leesburg, Virginia, his diagnosis and his aspirations. Honest, humble, professionally written, but unfettered by convention, for example, referring to a unique sense of humor, which is unusual for something like that. This cover letter attracted a lot of attention, even to the point that LinkedIn itself had shut down his account, initially thinking that something untoward was happening to his account. What was clear was that Ryan knew what he wanted, a job in animation or IT, and was able to try at heartstrings while he was at it. One person who did catch his letter was Dave Perry, who worked in the animation field and brought his story to the Exceptional Minds organization, which is an academy and digital studio for animators and artists with autism. David Siegel, executive director of the organization, gave Ryan Lowry a summer scholarship for virtual classes to teach him animation. While an organization he was already a part of called A Place to Be, which handles music therapy for those with special needs, got him lessons with an animator, and even someone from DreamWorks reached out to find a mentor for him. Nate, what a great story. What lesson does the story of
0: Ryan Lowry teach, if any? Yeah, I'm really glad that you presented this story. It it makes me feel good that something like this can happen. I think two lessons I'd take away. One is that perseverance really pays off in the case of Mr. Lowry and his you know, wherewithal to put together a cover letter, and and he was very fearless in his, his approach, even though it was a little unconventional. He knew that he had some skills to offer to various positions, and he really put himself out there, and on the other hand, the individual who caught his letter, Dave Perry, I would say that um, going both ways, you know, um, there, whether or not you feel like you have skills that fit a specific niche, um, you know, chances are that you do have something valuable to offer and something that another individual or another company would really welcome and appreciate. And I think that, uh, that, there's a lot to take away from from the initiative taken by Ryan here.
1: Yeah, and I definitely agree with you, Nate. Um, he definitely proved himself to advocate for himself, and you know, that's something that everyone you know may have to learn um, is to you know figure out how to advocate for themselves because. I think that that's a very important skill and a very important tool to move forward. Definitely. Okay, so the next story, which I titled, Tips for Celebrating Halloween with a Child with Autism. It is that time of the year again to celebrate the ghosts and ghouls of Halloween, whether through Halloween parties, scary movies, trick-or-treating, a lot does happen for this holiday. I used to enjoy going around the neighborhood, getting candy and being able to hang around with a friend. While I don't do any of that anymore, I've learned to really get into how people can get dressed up, to start of decorations towards the end of the year, and a good horror movie, my favorite being the original version of Psycho. However, sometimes it can be a trying thing for individuals with autism. You have to be verbal at every door. Usually Halloween has associations with sensory debilitating imagery and sounds, The whole thing can lead to anxiety, too. Here are a few tips for celebrating Halloween for parents and children with autism. The first one is teach your child not to eat anything they get from trick-or-treating without your permission. Many, many children with autism have strong dietary sensitivities and allergies that may react wrong to whatever is given in their trick-or-treat bag. A close inspection of each item could be useful in making sure that your child doesn't eat the wrong thing. Two create a trick-or-treat sign that is easily visible. It child may not be able to verbalize, may verbalize a little, but may find the whole process exhausting, so it may be good to have them engaged in the spirit of the holiday without having them do something that they cannot do or don't want to. As I may have mentioned before, many people that I know of in the autism community couldn't talk until a certain age, and a few of those years are very relevant for Halloween. Three. Buy a piñata, fill it with allergy-friendly candy toys, and allow your kids to break it open on Halloween. This is also to help in case COVID-19 concerns may make it better not to trick-or-treat. You could still have your child have fun in a familiar and friendly atmosphere. Four, use social stories to help your child understand and prepare for Halloween and any activities you plan on participating in. Social stories are very important for children with autism, and it is also good to prepare them for the day. Also, family-friendly TV shows and movies that show positive representations of trick-or-treating and Halloween activities. And lastly, number five, host or participate in a virtual costume contest. You can have family and friends participate in this over a platform like Zoom. This is another activity that is friendly to individuals with autism and in these COVID-19 times. Nate, any other tips you would like to give?
0: Well, I think this is a really complete list, Merrick. I like what you've put together here. I <laughs> I have to say um, something important is putting on a good movie. <laughs> um, that's just something that's always a good part of the Halloween routine, especially... Um, if you're feeling a, a little more reluctant to get out and and actually do trick or treating the pinata and and scary movie combination that that could be a really good one. But, but otherwise, I would, yeah.
1: I, I like the list. Yeah, I would definitely say if you put on the movie, though, make sure that it is restrained enough to where you know, if there are any like flashy images or anything that may, uh, you know, trigger the sensitivity levels or that may uh, in, induce a seizure or something to, to make sure to put on a movie that is uh, very uh, sensory friendly and is, is restrained enough to where you feel comfortable having your child watch. it.
0: Yes, that's an important point.
1: Okay. But overall though, I think that that's a really, really good tip too. You know, you do your pinata and then you watch a very uh, good uh, Halloween movie. So um, before we go, we want to thank the foundation for believing in us to be able to do a podcast for any willing listeners. And because of that, we will be seeing you again in November with some more coverage on us from the autistic community. So let's do it simultaneously. One, two, three. Full. I
3: wish that I could fly so high. Oh, like a butterfly. I fly into the air so high, oh, like a butterfly. A moth is a butterfly without any colors, but what's beautiful is what's inside. Maybe a moth is just a butterfly trying to hide. Well, I'm just a caterpillar crawling around. Knowledge in my head, put my feet on the ground. Soon I'll be like an angel in the sky, like a butterfly. I wish that I could fly so high, oh, like a butterfly. i fly into the air so high, oh, like a butterfly. Like a bird. I was meant to soar. I will fly through the sunlight, and even when it pours, it can't stop me. Wanna get a hold of the wind? In the future, your eyes will light up. To think that I was once a poor caterpillar, will grow up and take to the sky like a flock of butterflies. I wish I could fly so high, oh, like a butterfly. I'll fly you to the air, so high, jump oh, oh, like a yeah. butterfly. we